Make this Christmas memorable with Goat Guns. Get the coolest miniature gun models for your collection. From historical classics to modern weapons, we have something for every firearm and hobby enthusiast. Surprise your loved ones with the gift of Goat Guns, the perfect blend of quality and detail. Shop now and spread the joy at GoatGuns.com. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Sangeeta about helping employers attract and retain STEM plus women. Sangeeta, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. It is a pleasure to have you on today. I'm super excited to be uh, exploring a really important topic with you. We're going to be talking about helping employers attract and retain STEM plus women in the workplace. Uh, Super important, super timely. And while it's always been an important conversation to have and something that we need to be working towards, you know, greater parity and greater diversity and involvement, um, especially in STEM fields. Uh, I think it's particularly important right now because of the setback that the pandemic has had on uh, women's equity issues in the workplace. Uh, Some reports have suggested that it's set us back even a generation. Um, and, and so that's disheartening, but there are things we can do. And so I'm excited to, uh, explore that with you as we get started. I wanted to share Sangeeta's bio with everybody at 29 Sangeeta was at the end of her rope about to quit a STEM career. She loved because she couldn't navigate the roadblocks that were being thrown in front of her as a woman, as an immigrant, as a person of color. Luckily, a mentor reached out, guided her, and she stayed in her career for another two decades, achieving 26 patents and leading global teams of 5,000 plus with budgets of more than 200 million. She has mentored other STEM women, but could only help one woman at a time. That's why she's building a scalable for-profit career advice platform, 30 plus million STEM women around the world have access to the advice they need from top professionals to stick with their careers and thrive. Today, she can lead her global company because of the early leadership business and life lessons she learned, first as a scientist with GE, then as a director of marketing and various managerial positions with GE Aviation, then as global head of data science and chief diversity officer with Nielsen, then as VP of connections with Amazon, all thanks to her sponsor who reached out in the very beginning. Uh, That is such a wonderful background, wonderful story. Uh, I'm excited to pick your brain, learn more about what we can do about all of this. Uh, Anything else you would like listeners to know about you, your background, before we launch on into the conversation? I think you covered it really well. The only thing that I would add is um, obviously our platform is for women in STEM+. Plus. we do have programs with employers who can sponsor these women to go through this uh, program so they can retain them. That's all that I wanted to add. 
Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. So as we launch on in, why don't you describe for us a little bit about a little bit more about your experience, if you don't mind sharing, um, in terms of some of those roadblocks you face, because you are a good example, you know, of someone who, especially considering the time frame in which you were trying to navigate, I I think we still have a lot to work through and a lot to improve on, but it is better now than it was, you know, decades ago. So um, tell us a little bit more about that, the, the challenges of navigating that you faced, and then we can start to pick apart, like what specifically can we do as leaders, as advocates, as mentors, as allies today to help uh, women in STEM plus fields? So um, uh, that's a good point. Things have definitely improved. And I think employers have done a good job of recruiting women into variety of fields. Um, retention still is an issue. Um, I, I think that is something that we are all learning together. And um, if I talk about my own experiences, um, I grew up in the engineering and sciences world, uh, right from college to my first job um, and later jobs in aviation and energy and tech industry industries. And I, I might be the only woman in many meetings that I went to. And to me, that just became a very common uh, thing. I just didn't think about it as being the only person in the room. If I had thought about it, I would have never succeeded. <laughs> uh, so that was the first part. Uh, the second part was uh, the hurdles that um, I uh, faced um, during my, especially during my early career. And in those days, I didn't even know what networking meant, what was coaching, networking, um, uh, mentoring, or sponsoring. And, uh, and every now and then, you would uh, get into a situation that would be very sensitive, very sensitive from the perspective whether it is business-related, who is on one side versus the other, um, and making a decision that may make some people in the company, in the organization, you're in very happy, other people not so happy. How do you navigate some of those things? And um, uh, most of the business-related stuff, I was able to um, create a network of mentors where I could go to. But when it came, came to the sensitive topics, I just squirmed. And I just stressed myself out. And I wanted to quit. I thought I might get fired because I took a stance, which was a um, pretty strong stance in some cases, and it was right, uh, but at the same time, very stressful also. So the journey was very lonely. And if I had something like Gotara, um, it would have actually helped me tremendously. I would not have been stressed, and I would not be thinking about quitting my career. Yeah, and you know, I can only imagine I'm a straight cisgendered white dude. <laughs> so, you know, I have all the privilege and I, I hear these types of uh, experiences and stories and, and my heart breaks for people who have had to endure these sorts of, these sorts of things. And I'm glad you persisted. I'm glad that you endured and I'm glad that you had someone who stepped forward as a mentor for you and, and assisted. And it really does speak to the necessity and the need for that. Right. And I think, especially in this space in STEM plus fields, um, where it's so male dominated, like you said, companies have gotten better at the um, attraction and, and, and bringing women into the workplace. You know, there's still a lot of work to do there, but it's improved 
quite a bit, uh, but the retention piece is abysmal. And if we're going to move the needle there, there's a lot of continued attention we're going to have to put towards broken systems, inequities, uh, disrupting systems that need to be disrupted and, and rebuilding in a way that's going to be, you know, truly embrace this diversity, equity, and inclusion conversation that we've all been having uh, in recent years. Yeah. And one other thing that I wanted to add was um, despite uh, I mean, things have changed definitely since the time I was uh, growing in my career, but uh, despite not having all the network and mentors and things like that, I was just simply lucky for having a sponsor. I didn't even know what a sponsor meant at the time, but um, the senior leader, of corporate officer and GE reached out to me and asked me to take a new role. And I was like scared, uh, like I'm, I'm changing my skills. Is this the right thing to do and not? And he was the one who helped me grow in the company. And I just got lucky. If I didn't have him, I don't know uh, where I would be today. So, so I'm very yeah, happy. yeah, and and it, it just it reminds me, especially when we have these sorts of gaps, whether it be gender gaps or uh, racial ethnic gaps, whatever um, the sort of gap that we experience in our workplace those on the margins aren't in a position to really fight for themselves very well <laughs> for parity and equity. It really does take advocates and allies to step in and to help uh, involve people at a greater level to help move people into leadership roles or new opportunities. And so to, to hear about this, you know, example of your mentor is, is wonderful. And it just reminds me of how much I need to do, I need to try to do more and how all of us, you know, anyone listening, think about what can you do to, to help the next generation of women in, in your field uh, to help them be successful. And we have to be pretty proactive about it. It's not something that's going to passively happen. And again, some of those privileges that I might experience as a man in my field, uh, I just need to stop, pause, recognize that uh, women probably don't have those same sorts of advantages oftentimes. And, and that means if, if we're going for equity, it means we have to be more proactive, more assertive, uh, more aggressive in trying to make sure that we're bridging the gap. Yeah, I, I would highly recommend for allies that reach out, identify a few people that you really want to sponsor and mentor. I think you'd be doing a huge service to those individuals and to the society in general. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so tell us more about some of the challenges you've seen in terms of STEM plus women um, in the industries uh, in terms of this retention piece. Uh, we've referred to it a couple of times now. It's a problem. Yeah. What, what exactly is going on there and, and how do we start to tackle it? Yeah. So, so I think um, uh, before really deep diving into this topic, general uh, theme that I have read and felt was uh, you need to have great benefits. You need to have flexibility for women. You need to uh, have role models, stuff like that. And yes, that is important for women. And I think they look for companies which have that. However, when they're leaving or stagnating their roles, the main causes that we have collected this data, behavioral data on our platform are they are being undervalued, they are being bullied, 
they don't have self-improvement opportunities, and they're being dumped at work. Uh, at work. So we talk a lot about work-life balance. This is just all about work. They are being dumped at work to do stuff that's not part of their scope of job. And those are the reasons uh, why it happens once, it happens twice, it happens a few times, then they just write it off and they decide, okay, I'm not going to be staying in this company and I'm going to move on to another organization. And you've lost them and they're not going to share this information with you because um, they don't want to burn bridges. You never know if you have to come back to this company again or if you have to work with this manager again. Even if you don't want to, sometimes mergers and acquisitions bring you together. And uh, rightly so. I think it's the right decision that they're making for themselves. And I have done the same thing. When I have left for a reason, I'm not going to give them the reason. We are going to talk about compensation. We are going to talk about the opportunity. That's why people are leaving. Those are the two reasons every time an exit interview happens at any organization, that's what you hear. You do not hear anything about toxic culture. So as a result, majority of the employers don't even know. If they know, uh, it's not being talked about. And many times, employers can't police every conversation that is happening in the company. So they just don't know, and they're losing women. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Yeah, I I really appreciate that. I, I think many organizations really don't do a good job with exit interviewing anyways, and so you have people leaving, oftentimes those conversations really aren't even happening <laughs> anyways, but if they are happening, does someone feel like they can truly be completely forthcoming? And the conventional wisdom is, well, yeah, because they're leaving the organization. So there's no reason why they would hold back and they, they're going to be willing to unleash, but you've just articulated something super important in a, in a flaw in that reasoning. <laughs> and that is, especially for women, you, your network um, is super important and you may not have the, ex- the same extensive network, uh, as say men who are in similar positions. And so you have to cultivate that and you, you, you really could be shooting yourself in the foot, um, for future opportunities. If 
you really truly open up. And especially if you start talking about toxic culture, sexism, racism, those sorts of things that you experience, people don't like hearing that they, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> people will do and say bigoted, sexist, racist things. You call them on it and they're, they're like, I'm not a bigot. I'm not a racist. I'm not a sexist. Even though everything they did uh, indicates that at least in that area, they are <laughs> that that's it. It can't be addressed if people immediately put up walls and barriers and they're not willing to truly be introspective and understand the, the experience and the perspective of the person um, being brave enough to share uh, what they have experienced. And I've seen it over and over and over again in organizations I've worked with, um, people who are, you know, overall good people, well-meaning people. It's not like they're walking around trying to hurt everyone around them, but they do and say racist, sexist, bigoted things on occasion. And if that happens, that creates that toxic culture. It needs to be addressed. If it's not addressed, we're going to perpetuate a problem. And that's why we have this retention issue. One of the many reasons, I guess, why we have this retention issue. And, and many times I would add to that is sometimes an individual manager is or a leader is actually behaves well as a good leader. And they don't see that uh, issue because they are a good leader. However, they don't see some of the defects around them for whatever reason. And um, so it just goes unchecked because you don't feel like any, any of this kind of stuff is happening. And so you as a leader have to be cognizant of the fact that you have to be either observant yourself or open to inputs when people provide that input, that it could be true, even though you may not be like a leader like that. Yeah, it, it absolutely can be true. And, and I think you have to you have to believe people in their experience and what they say. And, and there's always two sides to every story. I'm not saying that we don't investigate, that we don't try to look into things. Of course we should, and we, we always do. Um, but it, especially if you have a persistent retention problem and you tend to see all the women <laughs> leaving um, your area, that says something. It says something very important. And, and if you're not willing to take a good, hard look at that, um, then you know, you're not, there's no way you're going to be able to, to solve that problem or fix it. Sure. So, so let's talk more about this in terms of the great resignation. Um, the, the labor market right now is really tight. Uh, it's, it's hard for employers to find good talent, generally speaking, especially in STEM plus fields, it's even more challenging. And, and I imagine, um, especially since women have been disproportionately negatively impacted by the pandemic and taking on additional home and care responsibilities and those sorts of things, it's probably even a heightened challenge for women in STEM fields, uh, for organizations right now, being able to attract, um, good people. So what can organizations do? What do we need to be doing, uh, in order to better prepare and support women, during this great resignation, not just for any role, but also specifically for even leadership roles? Um, very good question. It's a, it's a problem that all of us are facing right now with the great resignation. And even before the great resignation came into play, uh, STEM plus women leave their careers at the rate of 40% within their first five to seven years. So imagine what it is like with the pandemic, with the high demand of talent, and with um, companies trying to actually uh, improve their um, gender metrics. Um, so from every angle you can think of, it is becoming harder uh, for people 
to work on that, to recruit people. So what I would um, recommend employers is really invest in the people you have. Sometimes we're just so busy recruiting. Sometimes our budgets, half of our HR budgets are on recruiting. Great. But what percent of that recruiting budget you're actually spending replacing people because you've lost them? Can you take that budget and actually help retain the people you want to retain because it actually costs you less to retain them than to uh, hire new people? And we do our calculation that it costs about $3 million than 10 million each in this 10 plus field. Um, and some of our solution give you a really good uh, return on investment for that. Um, but the other thing that I would say, invest in your people. And this is your coveted talent. Technical talent is hard to replace and train. It takes a, I have been in your shoes in that case where I have lost my talent and it takes three to six months before we hire them. And it takes three, another three to six months for you to train them so they are able to actually produce something. And all of that uh, is, is, should be important to the employers. And it's, it's cost savings. And it actually um, helps the GDP of the organization. I think investing in women in your organization is probably the most important thing. Recruiting is always going to be hard. Yeah. Invest in your people generally is great advice. Uh, I think striving to have a people-centric organizational culture, a safe, um, psychologically safe organizational culture, always super important. Um, but particularly if you're talking about women in STEM plus fields, uh, we need to pay even closer attention to all this, or we're really going to find ourselves hurting in the long run. And I, I think that's just absolutely true. Um, and the other piece of that question uh, for me, again, is, you know, how do we as organizational leaders help to optimize performance and nurture and coach out leadership abilities from our employees, particularly our women in STEM employees? So um, I, I'll share with you what we are trying to offer, and it is really working well with uh, many of our uh, customer employers. Um, we are um, offering some services that actually help with retention in the sense that uh, they pick a couple of skills, which is a combination of uh, business technical skills and interpersonal skills. Taught in a very data-driven and logical fashion that uh, women in STEM plus would appreciate. So it's not really soft skills only. It is actually using data to grow the confidence that you want to grow. And it actually resonates really well with the women in these fields uh, because we are using our best practices um, where people like me and others who are using our own examples to say, yes, when I was walking the factory floor in this airline, this is what happened and this is how I handled it. Obviously, I did well and rose to executive ranks. So I must have done something right. And so we're using real life examples like that to help with um, how you could go act. So as a result, what they're learning, they're applying back very quickly. So when you go to a leadership class, and I've heard this many times, hey, if you could just uh, just kind of take one takeaway from that leadership class and apply it, that would be great. 
we expect 80 to 90 percent of the stuff that we are uh, teaching um, for them to apply. And they do. We see within eight weeks, uh, 20 to 60 percent improvement in their skills. And also, if there are things like, oh, um, somebody threw me under the bus in a meeting last Wednesday. How do I handle this? Because I don't want to have a reputation that is, uh, is, is not so good. And you get an advice from somebody who's lived in your shoes within 24 hours. So this is a combination of just in time and uh, nuggets of advice and training that you can use on the go. So you go apply back to work very quickly and, and, and you learn from it. And as a result, employers learn from it too. How are the, what are the things they can do to help retain them? What are the things, what, what kind of love they need to give to these women to, uh, to be able to retain them? And what are the things they can do about their culture to uh, retain them? And what are the things they're already doing well that they need to just keep doing and not stop doing? And, and so, so those are some of the things that I would say are key to retention. I love it. I think those are all really important tips. Sangeeta, it has been just a pleasure talking with you. The time has flown by and I, I see that we're almost to the end of our time. I need to let you go here in just a minute. Um, but before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, your team, uh, the, the, your new initiative underway, and then uh, share the last, last word on the topic for today. Yeah. Uh, thank you, John, for the opportunity. And um, please reach out and uh, to my uh, startup, uh, gotara.com, G-O-T-A-R-A.com, and sign up as a member, check it out, get your employers to check out our website and see if uh, that would be something that they would be interested in uh, uh, picking up. Um, and the last piece of advice is, um, for the folks on the, uh, on, in the audience, is um, know that you have the self-confidence. Sometimes women think that they don't have the self-confidence and they have imposter syndrome. Self-confidence is innate in you. You need to turn it on. You already have it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what Sankita can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace 
and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.